You are listening to episode 166 of This is Type 1. Today we're talking with Kylie Hansen Kulwicki about her life with Modi 3 diabetes and how she's managing her pregnancy. Kylie, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. All right, let's just dive in with your diagnosis story. Yeah. So my dad also has diabetes. He's had it since he was a teenager, like 16 years old. So when I was in about the eighth grade, he was checking his blood sugar one night and I guess he didn't like what his meter was telling him. And so he came out into the living room and he was like, can I check somebody else's blood sugar? I just want to see if this is like working correctly. So my mom is watching TV. I'm over on like a desktop computer, like on probably like AIM instant messaging my friends. And my mom goes, don't, don't do me. Go bother Kylie. And so I reach out my hand and I'm not even paying attention. He pricks my finger, checks my blood sugar. And the next thing I remember is him going, Oh, you have to go to the doctor tomorrow. And so I don't remember exactly what my blood sugar was, but it was high enough to be concerning. So it was probably, you know, 200, 300, something, something high enough that it was not typical. And so looking back, I definitely had all of those typical diabetes symptoms leading up to that. So I, of course, was super, super thirsty. I was using the bathroom all the time. I had randomly like wet the bed in the middle of the night, just kind of those classic symptoms, but nobody had quite picked up on it yet. So my mom had noticed that I was chugging water before bed. She mentioned like, huh, you're taking like two water bottles to bed with you. And I was like, yeah, I'm just really thirsty. <laughs> like I just love water, but nobody had quite realized that I was exhibiting those symptoms. And so it was just kind of luck that my dad happened to check my blood sugar when he did so that I hadn't gotten really sick yet. So yeah, then next day we got a doctor's appointment and sure enough, I had diabetes. <laughs> so how did they find out that it was Modi three and not type one or type two? Yeah. So my dad and then his mom, my grandmother also have diabetes that was diagnosed kind of early in teenage young adult years that wasn't type one. And so they were being treated as type two, but always kind of with just like, they're weird. Like it's a weird type, but we're treating them like type two. So then when I came in as a third generation with this strange, not type one diabetes as a young kid, otherwise healthy, it kind of triggered something for, it was my nurse practitioner. She was like, yeah, this is weird. So you don't have the antibodies. It doesn't make sense that you have type two. So she started researching and she learned about Modi and was like, I think this fits your family. So she sent me to an endocrinologist who could actually do the testing for Modi. And so you have to get genetic testing done to actually like test for the genes to see if you have Modi versus other types of diabetes. So what actually is Modi? And like, what does the number at the end mean? So Modi is a genetic form of diabetes. It's caused by a gene mutation. So the three for me stands for which gene mutation I have. So there's up to 14, I think, types of Modi. So 14 different gene mutations 
that we know about that cause Modi diabetes. And so mine is caused by the H1F1A gene. I have a mutation on that gene, which specifically causes Modi 3. And Modi 3 is one of the most common forms of Modi, actually. That's so fascinating. We tried to do an episode on both Modi and Lada a while ago, just from our own research, because Jesse and I only have type 1. So mm-hmm. I know Modi is maturity onset diabetes of the young or diabetes mm-hmm. of the youth. And then Lada is late onset, latent autoimmune diabetes of adulthood or something, which mm-hmm. weird names, but we just go with Modi and Lada. Do you think there's a lot of type ones out there who are actually Modi? Absolutely. <laughs> um, I'm always convinced that like everyone is misdiagnosed. I mean, not everyone, but I think it's up to 80% of people with Modi are actually misdiagnosed as type one or type two. So both types get misdiagnosed all the time. Like I said, my family was misdiagnosed as type two for years. But so that means that only like 20% of us actually have the correct Modi diagnosis. So every time I see someone that's like, yeah, my dad and his mom also have type one and I'm type one. And I'm like, no, no, I think you have Modi, but you know, I'm not actually a doctor. Uh, (laughs) That would fit though, because a lot of the people we talk to who do have type one, they're like the first in their family. Yeah. And so there is definitely a genetic component to type one and type two. You are more likely to get type one or type two if you have a parent that has it. But with Modi, it's a 50% chance that you're going to get it. So my child that I'm about to have has a 50% chance of having Modi diabetes. That leads me into the next question, which is how do you prepare for pregnancy with diabetes? First step for me was definitely going to see an endo and talk to an OBGYN to kind of get a plan in place. So for me with Modi, I was on a medication called sulfonylurea, which is really common for people with Modi. It's kind of an old school type 2 drug pill that makes your body produce more insulin. So is really people with Modi are really sensitive to it. So usually we just have to take a low dose of that and it can help manage diabetes. That's not for everyone. For me, I was having to take high doses and still wasn't quite reaching the goals I wanted, but I couldn't be on those pills for pregnancy. So I had to make a game plan for my treatment before I even thought about getting pregnant. So I had to go talk to the endo about like, let's switch to insulin and let's get my numbers to where they need to be. And then the other thing that I always tell people when they ask me kind of how to prepare for pregnancy with diabetes, just in general, it doesn't have to be Modi, is just to kind of start pretending like you're pregnant already. And I mean, don't be like super hard on yourself, but go ahead. And if you have a CGM, like set your limits to like make your high that 140 so that you get used to seeing that and seeing 140 in like the yellow. And so, you know, when I'm pregnant, I'm going to have to start treating at 140. And that can be a huge change from just regular everyday pregnancy where 140, you'd just be like, cool, I'm in range. I'm sitting, I'm sitting nice. So yeah, kind of get ready by pretending to be pregnant, get those ranges, get used to those ranges, talk to your doctor and then get your A1C kind of in a good good range so that you start off with a healthy pregnancy. That's all really great information. But something you said earlier about switching to insulin, 
I think our listeners may not understand that when you have Modi, that means the treatment options can be different and you can sometimes treat it with a pill, like you said. So can you talk a little bit more about about that part? Yeah. So Modi, a lot of people with Modi still produce insulin. We're just not making enough. Our bodies just aren't creating the right signals when we eat carbs to make the insulin we need. So like my body is capable of making the insulin. It's just not doing it (laughs) or like, it's just not, (laughs) it's just not doing enough. So there's even a type of Modi where the body is perfectly capable of making all the insulin you need, but the set point of what your body thinks is high blood sugar is just higher. So for people, that's Modi 2. And so for people with Modi 2, a lot of times they don't need treatment at all. It's just that they will naturally have higher blood sugar for their whole life. And it's low enough that it doesn't cause complications, but high enough that it will trigger a doctor to say, you have diabetes. But with all the types of Modi, it can vary from diet and exercise pills. And there's different ones. Like I said, there's the sulfonylurea. There's the new injectable ones. There's some people take metformin. And then there's people like me. And I know there's quite a few others who take insulin. And our treatment is a lot more similar to someone with type 1. That explains so much about why your rest of your family was all misdiagnosed as type 2. Yeah. And so a lot of people with Modi are misdiagnosed with type one if they're diagnosed as kids. So since I was 13, it would have been pretty common for me to be misdiagnosed as type one, just because as a, like I said, as a 13 year old, otherwise healthy, that's kind of the go-to. So I don't know how my family got diagnosed with type two when they were all teenagers when they got it. But yeah, it, it kind of varies. Like if you're diagnosed as a child, you usually get misdiagnosed as type one. And if you're diagnosed a little older, closer to your your 20s, you'll usually get misdiagnosed as type two. Really makes me wonder what they're teaching doctors in medical school about diabetes nowadays. You know, I mean, I think it's getting a lot better. But of course, definitely back when my dad and my grandma were diagnosed, nobody knew what Modi was. So it makes sense that they were misdiagnosed. But even now, yeah, it can be really hard to find a doctor that actually knows about Modi and knows how to treat it and knows how to test for it and all of that stuff. And that's why we're doing interviews like this. And that's why you have your Instagram to educate because that is where it all starts. Yes. Okay. So back to uh, pregnancy. Mm Mm-hmm. So far, what is the hardest part about pregnancy with diabetes for you? The hardest part is just not being hard on yourself when you go out of range and not feeling too anxious about all of it because it feels like every high or every low isn't just affecting you anymore because it's not. So kind of balancing knowing that you're never going to be perfect, but also trying to be perfect for this other little human that's growing in you. Yeah, it can be hard to balance that guilt and like trying to be nice to yourself. But it helps me to remember the big picture a lot. So like getting my Dexcom Clarity report every week is really helpful because I might hyper focus on those three times I went high the past week. And then I'll get my clarity report and it still says like 90% in range. And I'm, I can take a deep breath because that's still amazing. And I can be a little kinder to myself when I see the big picture versus just those few instances of highs or lows. 
especially when your high line is 140. And my high line is also 140. And I have no intention of ever getting pregnant. <laughs> so it, it's really great to have that huge amount of time and range, even when your range is so tight. Yeah. And so like I said, I had been having my range set that low for like two years before I got pregnant. Because oh, wow. Yeah. So we had started talking about getting pregnant and then COVID happened. And I was like, no, we're we're not doing that. I'm not I'm not going to deal with pregnancy and like being stuck inside and terrified all the time. So we waited until things got a little more normal and I was back to work and stuff. So yeah, the process was a little longer than expected. But yeah, so I've had that that high set at 140 for a while and maintaining those goals yeah. is tough. <laughs> but it's, you're, you're able to be easier on yourself though when you're not pregnant. Like I said, pregnancy is kind true. of mind boggling because other times you'd be like, oh, that's great. Like I was 150 after I ate giant pancakes. That would be fine. But now as a pregnant person, I'm like, oh no. <laughs> yeah. That added layer of stress and, and possible guilt from impacting the baby's health as well. Yeah. What do you want listeners to remember if they're worried about carrying a pregnancy while having diabetes, any type? Just that it is possible and that you're not going to have an unhealthy pregnancy or a hard pregnancy just because you have diabetes. And you don't necessarily have to like really limit what you're eating or like change too much. You just have to work a little harder and plan a little more. So with, yeah, with a little extra work and planning, it's totally possible and doable and worth it. <laughs> Clearly, if you've been planning for two plus years. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a favorite or an interesting memory about your life with Modi? I think my favorite thing is just been since I've been on social media with my my life with Modi is just connecting with other people with Modi because... I have never actually met someone in real life besides my family who has Modi. But now I can say that I have all these friends who also have the same type of diabetes as me. And so connecting with them, making friends with them has been really wonderful. It's really wonderful when I get messages from people saying like, hey, I had never heard about Modi, but it resonated with me. I brought it up with my doctor and I got a correct diagnosis. And so that's been really cool to be like, to learn that my account has made any sort of small impact like that, even for one person helping them get the correct diagnosis is really a cool experience. And for all of our listeners who may be discounting the impact of a correct diagnosis, just think about the cost of insulin. If you are have been misdiagnosed as a type one, when you really are diagnosed as Modi, then the treatment option for Modi may be way, way cheaper than having to pay for insulin out of pocket or even through insurance like every three months. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I really advocate for is that correct diagnosis is really important. A lot of people come to me and say, my doctor doesn't want to test me for Modi because they say it doesn't matter. And that infuriates me because like you said, because your treatment could be different. You could be, maybe you're like struggling on insulin, but the sulfonylurea would actually even things out and help you. Maybe you need to know because you have a 50% chance of passing it on to your children. You know, that was a huge part of planning having a child for us is we had to sit down and discuss like, you know, it's such a high chance that our kids are going to have diabetes 
Are we okay with that? Are we prepared for that? Are we willing to look at other options? And that's a huge thing. The other thing is that Modi can have a lot of other comorbid issues that go with it. So having a gene mutation can cause diabetes and it can also cause kidney problems and liver problems, magnesium wasting, pancreatic insufficiency. There's just a lot of other things that can go along with a Modi diagnosis. And sometimes people are traveling along with a type one diagnosis and then kidney failure. And then like all these things that actually, once they get diagnosed with Modi, it's all because, oh, I have this gene mutation or this gene deletion that's causing this. And now we know why it's happening. And that can be really life-changing. Man, now I'm wondering if I should just get a, a Modi test because I was diagnosed at age two, but we found out when my dad passed away that there are all sorts of autoimmune problems on his side. So like lupus, fibromyalgia, uh, reproductive autoimmune problems. So I was like, hmm. So autoimmune is definitely different than the Modi issues. So autoimmune would actually point to type one. And then also with Modi, it's usually diagnosed around puberty or young adulthood. So Modi 2 can often be diagnosed younger, like in a two-year-old. But again, that's because their set point for their blood sugar for their whole life is just higher. But with the other Modi's, a lot of times your body works fine until you hit puberty and then the gene mutation like kicks in and the diabetes starts happening. Okay, so, I feel better now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're probably good because autoimmune definitely points to type 1. But another point is that there's another form of monogenic diabetes, which is the umbrella that Modi falls under called neonatal diabetes, which is like Modi, except it happens in infants younger than six months. So it's also caused by a gene mutation, but it just shows itself and occurs in like teeny tiny babies. So on one hand, you have the like less than six month kids getting some kind of Modi. And then on the other hand, you get the puberty and onward. And then in the middle, it's like, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the it's the monogenic diabetes is the umbrella. And so there's neonatal diabetes and, mono, and Modi are the types that kind of fall under that. And it just okay. means monogenic just means it's caused by one gene. So we know exactly what gene is causing the diabetes. I'm learning way more than I expected. (laughs) (laughs) One of my pregnancy doctors was like, you know more about diabetes than me. And I was like, yes, (laughs) that's the goal. (laughs) He asked me if I was like an endocrinologist or a nurse. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) All right. Is there anything that you'd like to mention that we haven't talked about yet? And we've talked about quite a lot. (laughs) I think we got to it because I think the only thing... Is just how important getting a correct diagnosis is. Yeah. 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 Oh, you know, that, that actually reminds me when actually right before or right after I started this podcast, I went to one of the JDRF type one nation events. And at that event, I heard a talk about somebody talking about like all of the different types of diabetes, how there were so many different types in just type one and type two. And I don't think they actually said Modi. But what stuck with me was them saying that you might have a type of diabetes that can be treated with a $4 bottle of pills. That's like why I brought that up about how important it is to get a correct diagnosis. Because if you don't know, then you might be paying way more than you really need to. Yeah. And that's not to say that like everyone with Modi, though, can use 
pills because there's a lot of us on insulin and that's not a bad thing. Like for me, being on insulin has really helped my management and I feel much so much less restricted. Mental health is better. Just like in general, insulin is better for me. So while it is a possibility for some people to be on pills that might be cheaper, you also have to find what is going to work for you. Right. So that brings up the question, are you going to stay on insulin after you're done with pregnancy? Yeah, I actually talked to my endo about that recently. I was, I said, you know, after pregnancy, I think I want to stay on insulin. I want to look into pumps. I want to like, I, I'm willing to add maybe medication to the insulin to maybe take less insulin or yeah, to lessen the impact of like having to take insulin or maybe replace my long acting with something. But I don't think I want to give up fast acting insulin for sure because I really, really enjoy being able to eat carbs. (laughs) (laughs) Carbs are my favorite. And I went years without them and I will never go back. (laughs) And you are the perfect example of experimenting to find out what works for you, not just with your medication, but also with your diet. I love it. Yeah, I'm definitely a big advocate of you'll never know how to eat something if you don't try it. And so you might like eat it until you get it right. And you'll eventually get it right, hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) My husband, my husband bought Danish cookies from from Costco. And I'm like, okay, I need to figure out how to eat these. (laughs) Even though I eat low carb. Yeah. Yeah. So I I did the first one went high. And then the next one, I changed my, um, my ratios and I bolused ahead of time, bolused for Mm -hmm. the full amount. And it was good. (laughs) Yeah. See, you just had to try it a few times. (laughs) Yep. Okay. Do you have a book recommendation for our listeners? Ooh, um, my favorite book I read recently was called Kindred. It's by Octavia Butler. So it is kind of a weird mix of like sci-fi and like historical fiction. (laughs) So it's about this woman living in the seventies who finds herself being randomly transported back to the year like 1815 in like slave holder times. And she's a black woman. And so it turns out she keeps being called back to this time by this white boy named Rufus. And he happens to be her ancestor, like great, 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 great grandfather or something. And so there's some weird connection. And every time he comes close to death, she, for some reason, gets called to save him. And so it's kind of her experience of going back in time and being forced into slavery and dealing with being a modern Black woman in historical pre-Civil War times. And it's just really interesting. It was a really good book. (laughs) I'm adding that to my to-be-read list. Yeah, so good. Thanks for that recommendation. Yeah. Do you have any projects that you're working on right now that you can share with our listeners? You know, most of my life right now is very dedicated to pregnancy and getting ready for baby. That's kind of all of my brain space right now. Totally fair. Yeah. So we're, we're working on baby shower. We got to redo our floors for the nursery. So yeah, that's kind of what I have going on right now. All right. And where can our listeners connect with you online? So you can find me at My Life with Modi on Instagram and TikTok. All right. All of those links will be in the show notes. Kylie, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. This is wonderful. 
All right. Now it is your turn. How can you apply the lessons that Kylie has shared to your own experience of diabetes, regardless of what type you have? Remember, you control your diabetes. It doesn't control you. Hey, if you like what you're listening to on this podcast, you have to join us in the Half Dead Pancreas Club. It's my private community where you'll connect face to face with other people with type 1 diabetes, get personalized emotional support, and learn how to handle anything T1D throws at you. Join us over at inspiredforward.com community. I can't wait to see you there.